Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into The Disaster Artist in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. On Monday, I went into a review episode for The Disaster Artist, and if you've listened to that already, you know that there are a ton of cameos in this movie. Uh, You'd also know that if you've seen it. And so... This might be the longest single film statistics episode I've done. And let's, uh, we'll find out, shall we? So, The Disaster Artist. Uh, I saw it December 10th, 2017. That's Sunday, this past Sunday. Clocked it at 98 minutes. Uh, I will confess, I did not stay to the end of the credits. So... I believe there's something at the end to see, and I, I did not see it. Uh, I'm, I'm told, well, I won't say anything, because it's, I guess it's an end credit thing, so I'm sure the clip will surface online at some point, and I'll be able to track it down then, but 98 minutes to the middle of the credits after they finish showing the side-by-side reinterpretations of The Room. It is a 2017 film, and my brief summary is the story behind the making of the greatest worst movie ever made. It's a little clunky, but I think it gets the point across. Uh, As I also said in the review episode, I gave this movie a 63 out of 100, and as of right now, recording this, it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%, so I'm well below the Rotten Tomatoes score, but I'm pretty happy with where I ended up putting it, because I I don't think, I don't know, it's, like, I I don't know, if you want to learn, want to know why I put it, give it a 63, go listen to the review episode, it'll explain it, Uh, I don't have to get into that again, so, moving on, the director is Sir James Franco, Uh, this is the first film of his I've seen on my spreadsheet, and it has an average rating of 63. It is his only film. It is his best film. The only film rated in the 60s that he's been in. He has a value of 0.5 and a total score of 21.5. This ranks him 1,394th, tied with a lot of other people that I don't know. Puts him one spot ahead of Robert Schwenke, who is the director of Red. Flight Plan, The Time Traveler's Wife, Insurgent, Allegiant, and R.I.P.D. You might not recognize the name, but you probably recognize a couple of those movies. The writers. A a lot of different writing credits on this film. Uh, Michael H. Weber and Scott Neustadter are both uh, part of the screenwriting, uh, part of a screenwriting duo that worked on this film. That this is both of their fourth films. They have an average film rating now of 80.75. It is their only films rated in the 60s, and it ranks as their lowest rated film for both of them, coming in behind The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, they end up with a value of 5.5 and a score each of 59.33. So they're both tied for 104th with Roman Polanski and William Cottrell, uh, putting them ahead of John Houston and behind Brad Bird. Uh, J- 
John Huston, who has written The Maltese Falcon and The African Queen. And Brad Bird, who has written The Incredibles, The Iron Giant, Ratatouille. So, good company. Uh, but they're not the only ones credited on this film. You also have Greg Sestero, uh, the person that Dave Franco plays, and Tom Bissell. Uh, they, this is each of their first uh, films. So, they have an average film rating of 63. Uh, it is their only film rating in the 60s, their only film and best film overall. They have a value of 0.5 and a score of 21.5. This ranks them 2,964th overall, tied with, again, a handful of other people who I don't recognize because I've only seen one of their name, only like seen one of their films, and I also don't have any really recognizable names to reference above or below them. So they're the writers. Moving on to the actors. I mentioned in the other episode there are 40 acting credits. Uh, I also mentioned that I don't remember seeing some of them. Uh, that could be that the film has been edited and some of their these cameos did not make the final cut. Uh, could be I just missed them. There is an opening montage of like real people talking about the movie. And it certainly could have been the case where I've skipped a couple of them. Uh, either way because both Letterboxd and IMDb show all both show these people, I have decided to, for the moment, uh, include them. Uh, so anybody's name on Letterboxd or IMDb that I recognized that was on my spreadsheet, I added this credit to their filmography. So from the top, uh, I'm not going to cut any of these into a spoiler section, like I said, some of them I don't remember seeing, so you might not see these people. some of these people. Uh, most of them you can recognize from the trailer, and some of, and the rest are mostly just cameos, most of which, while noteworthy and enjoyable, don't really affect the movie that much. And I don't think announcing them in the movie takes away from the fact from what they like bring to the movie. So I just want to preface that if you dispute it, Feel free to yell at me afterward, or turn this off and yell at me anyway. Whatever, I don't care. Regardless, jumping into the actors. First up is Seth Rogen. Uh, this is the 39th film credit for Seth Rogen. It lowers his average film rating to a 63.82. It is his sixth film rated in the 60s and ranks as his 21st best movie overall coming in just behind the Green Hornet and just ahead of Kung Fu Panda 3. He now has a value of 16.5 and a score of 77.21, which leaves him ranked 67th overall, so top 100. It puts him one spot behind Joaquin Phoenix and one spot ahead of Julie Delpy. Next, we have Ari Grainer. Uh, this is her ninth film credit, lowers her average film rating to a 69 even. This is her fourth film rated in the 60s and sixth best film overall. Comes in behind Youth in Revolt and ahead of Date Night. She has a value of 6.5 and a score of 62.95, which ranks her 440th overall. Uh, right, right behind Martin Scorsese and right ahead of Dean 
Stockwell. Next is Christopher Mintz Place. This is his 21st film credit. He has an average film rating of 59.86. And this is his fourth film rated in the 60s, 11th film rated overall. It comes in just behind the to do list and just ahead of Gift of the Night Fury, which is a short film based on the How to Train Your Dragon series. It improves his film value to a 7, his score to a 61.65, which ranks him at 492nd, so he is broken into the top 500. He is one spot behind Tim Robbins and one spot ahead of Anne Dowd. Next up is Dave Franco. Uh, This is Dave Franco's 16th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 61.81. It is his second film rated in the 60s and ninth best film overall. It comes in just behind Warm Bodies and just ahead of The Little Hours. He now has a film value of 66.5 and a score of 61.44. Puts him just behind Talia Shire, just ahead of Javier Bardem. Uh, Next up is Jason Mitchell. This is eighth film credit and lowers his average film rating to a 65.75. It is his third film rated in the 60s and sixth best film overall. Uh, Coming in behind Keanu and ahead of Contraband. It increases his film value to a 5 and his score to a 57.6, ranking him 763rd, tied with Ben Chaplin behind Angus Barnett, and ahead of Olivia Coleman. Next up is Danny McBride. This is his 20th film credit, improving his average film rating to a 57.65. It is his second film rated in the 60s, and his 10th best film overall, ranking just behind 30 minutes or less, and ahead of Due Date. It improves his film value to a 3.5, and his score to a 55.91, Uh, ranking him at 887th, putting him just behind Cindy Chung and ahead of Lauren Marr. I don't remember seeing Danny McBride in the movie, though. Next up is Lizzie Kaplan, who I also don't remember seeing in the movie. Uh, This is her 14th film credit and improves her average film rating to a 59.21. This is her fourth film rated in the 60s and fifth best film overall behind Hot Tub Time Machine and ahead of Item 47. Improves her, average, or improves her value to a 3.5 and her score to a 55.31. She is now ranked just behind Michelle Piccoli and just ahead of Barbara Hershey. After that is Brian Cranston. This is his 20th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 56.15. It is his 7th film rated in the 60s and 10th best film overall, ranking behind his Oscar-nominated performance in Trumbo and ahead of Contagion. It improves his value to a 2 and his score to a 53.55, ranking him 1,070th, which puts him just behind Bill Nunn and just ahead of Stephen Burkoff. After that, we have Josh Hutcherson. Yeah, he's in this movie. Uh, This is his 16th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 56.94. It is his fifth film rated in the 60s 
and ninth best film overall, coming in behind Howl's Moving Castle and ahead of the Polar Express, both voice roles. It improves his value to a 2 and his score to a 52.61. He is now ranked 1,163rd, one spot behind Dennis Leary and uh, ahead of three people tied uh, just behind him who are Patrika Darbo, Melville Cooper, and perhaps the most recognizable name, Klaus Kinski. Next, we have James Franco, our lead. Our lead. Uh, this This is his 36th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 54.61. It is his sixth film rating in the 60s and 12th best film overall. It comes in just behind The Little Prince, a voice role, and just ahead of The Iceman. It brings his film value up to zero, an even zero, and his score up to 52.24, which ranks him 1,199th. Just behind Matthew McFadden, and just ahead of Frank Langella. Next is Dree Hemingway. This is her fifth film credit and lowers her average film rating to a 67. It is her second film rating in the 60s and fourth best film overall. Coming in behind Listen Up Philip and ahead of Connected. Uh, it improves her film value to a 3, her score to 50.86, and she's ranked 1,344th right behind Christoph Waltz, and right ahead of Lily Tomlin. And she's probably most recognized for the Sean Baker film, Starlet, which I encourage people to go check out, because it's really good. Next is Kevin Smith. This is his 16th film credit, and improves his average film rating to a 54.75. It is his third film rated in the 60s, and seventh best film overall. Uh, He it ranks just behind Clerks and just ahead of With Great Power, colon, The Stan Lee Story. It improves his film value to a 0.5 and his score to 49.17, which ranks him 1,512th, tied with a bunch of other people, including Tony Revolori, uh, Jim Varney, Rita Moreno, and Harriet Anderson. Uh, puts him just ahead of Alex Karpovsky who might be most recognizable from the girls' HBO TV show. Next, we have Jackie Weaver. This is her ninth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 57.33. It is her first and only film ranked, rated in the 60s and her fourth best film overall, right behind the five-year engagement and ahead of Stoker. It improves her film value to a 1 and her score to a 48.91. She is now ranked 1,544th overall, just behind Eva Mendez, just ahead of Maria Dizia. Next, we have Jason Mantzoukas. This is his 14th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 54.43. This is his fourth film rated in the 60s and seventh best film overall, just behind Baby Mama, just ahead of They Came Together. Improves his film value to a 1 and his score to a 48.63. And he is now ranked 1,574th, tied with Britt Marling, and ahead of Johnny Simmons. Next, we have Sharon Stone. This is her 14th film credit 
and improves her average film rating to a 52.29. It is her second film, rated in the 60s, and sixth best film overall. Coming in behind Last Action Hero and ahead of Sphere. It improves her film value to a 1 and her score to a 47.25. Uh, she's now ranked 1,710th, tied with Margaret Mann, and just ahead of Joe Van Fleet. Next up, we have Brett Gelman. This is his fifth film credit, and improves his average film rating to a 61.2. This is second film rated in the 60s and third best film overall coming in behind 30 minutes or less and ahead of Lemon. It improves his film value to a 1 and has scored a 44.71. He is now ranked 2010th, tied with Dabs Greer and just ahead of Jennifer Goodwin, voice of Judy Hopps from Zootopia. After that, we have Alison Brie. This is her 14th film credit and improves her average film rating to a 51.64. It is her third film, rated in the 60s, and sixth best film overall. Coming in behind Sleeping With Other People and ahead of The Little Hours. Uh, it improves her film value to a negative 0.5 and her score to a 44.69, ranking her 2017th this current calendar year, which puts her behind a group of people including... Um, no one I really recognize by name, uh, but Nina Folk, April Grace, Hermione Gingold, Axel Henny, and puts her ahead of Catherine Morris. Um, so there's that. Next up is J.J. Abrams, uh, the director. This is his fifth film credit as an actor. Quote, actor. He basically just plays himself. Uh, it improves his average film rating to a 59.6. It is his second film rated in the 60s and second best film overall. Uh, comes in behind Spielberg, the documentary, and ahead of Tour de Pharmacy. It improves his film value to a 2 and his score to a 44.57, ranking him 2028th overall, behind Jim Caviezel, and ahead of Natasha Leone. 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 Anyway, uh, next up is Hannibal Burris. This is his 11th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 53.27. Uh, he now has it is his first and only film rated in the 60s and fifth best film overall, coming behind Neighbors and ahead of The Secret Life of Pets. Improves his film value to a negative one and his score to a 44.08, which leaves him ranked 2084th tied with Will Patton, and ahead of Chris Rock. After him, we have Zach Braff, another person I don't remember being in the movie. This is his seventh film credit and improves his average film rating to a 55.29. It is his third film rated in the 60s and second best film overall, uh, coming in behind Garden State and ahead of The High Cost of Living improves his film value to a 1 and his score to a 44. He is now ranked 2087th with like 20 other people um, including Margaret Cho, Rusty Schwimmer, um, Emily Van Camp, 
and Bernadette Peters and Chris Parnell and Courtney B. Vance, among others. After that, we have Dylan Minette. Uh, this is his sixth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 58.5. It is his second film rating in the 60s and fourth best film overall, ranking just behind Don't Breathe and just ahead of Goosebumps. Uh, it improves his film value to a flat zero and his score to a 43.88, ranking him just behind Phil Hartman and just ahead of Linda Imond. Linda Imond. Next up is Charlene Yi. This is her fifth film credit and improves her film average film rating to a 59.4. It's her first and only film rating in the 60s and second best film overall. Coming in behind Knocked Up and ahead of the Lego Ninjago movie. It improves her film value to a 1 and her score to a 43.43. She is now ranked 2,166th just behind John Lytell and ahead of Bruce Greenwood. Next is Adam Scott. Uh, this is his 21st film credit, improving his average film rating to a 51.57. It is his 7th film rated in the 60s and 8th best film overall, just behind ACOD and just ahead of Black Mass. Improves his film value to a negative 4, and his score to a 43.09. He is now ranked 2,201st, just behind Faye Dunaway, and just ahead of David Selby. After that, we have Kristen Bell, who, if I remember serves right, is the first person in this movie that you see. Uh, this is her 20th film credit, and improves her average film rating to a 49.85. It is her third film rating in the 60s and eighth film overall, coming in just behind Pootie Tang and just ahead of Get Him to the Greek. It improves her film value to a negative 2.5 and score to a 42.82. She is ranked 2,244th, uh, just behind a couple of people above her, including Mike Tyson in that group, and just ahead of Jillian Vigman. You got me there. After that, we have Sugar Lynn Beard. This is her sixth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 57. It is her second film rated in the 60s and third film overall. It comes in behind Sausage Party and ahead of Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. It improves her film value to a zero and her score to a 42.75. She is now ranked 2260th Tied with a bunch of other people, including Brittany Snow, Hamish Linklater, Henry Gibson, uh, among others, and ahead of Jessica Lang. After that is Megan Mullally. This is her 14th film credit and improves her average film rating to a 51.86. It is her fourth film rating in the 60s and fifth best film overall. Coming in behind Risky Business and ahead of B-Movie. It improves her film value to a negative 3, and her score to a 42.38. She's now ranked 2,304th, which puts her tied with Steve Kahan, Glenn Headley, Errol Flynn, that's a name, uh, and ahead of Elizabeth Pena. Next is Nathan Fielder, host and showrunner, I assume, uh, creator of Nathan For You, the 
what are they on FX FX show? Uh, great show. If, check it out. It's really good. Uh, this is his fourth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 61. It is his third film rated in the 60s and second best film overall, coming in behind the web and ahead of Tour de Pharmacy. It improves his film value to a 1.5, his score to a 42.17, and he is now ranked 2,318th, tied with a couple other people including Arthur Kennedy, Judge Reinhold, and Scott Adkins. Puts him ahead of Jennifer Morrison. Next, we have Keegan-Michael Key. I don't remember him being in here in the movie. This is his 22nd film credit and improves his average film rating to a 49. It is his 7th film rating in the 60s. And it is his 7th film overall, coming in behind Storks and ahead of Teacher of the Year. It improves his film value to a negative 7 and his score to a 37.92. He is now ranked 2,787th behind... Uh, a bunch of people, including Tatiana Maslany, uh, Ikue, Itoni, um, Ikue Otani, excuse me, uh, Dinah Spivey Waters, Fenella Woolgar, a lot of great names at this 2,774th spot. Andre Royo, Javier Botet, man, Brian Posen, some great names. Uh, Nancy Lenahan, Nina Dobrev, Jackie Chan, uh, and ahead of Arthur O'Connell. Not quite as interesting. Next is Randall Park. This is his 15th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 47.13. It is his first and only film rate in the 60s, ranking just behind and is his fourth best film overall, coming in just behind the five year engagement and ahead of the Lego Ninjago movie. Uh, it improves his film value to a negative 5.5 and his score to a 36.09. He is now ranked 2,954th, just behind James Faulkner and ahead of uh, Gillian Jacobs. Gillian? Gillian. Next is Judd Apatow, generally a director-producer. Here he is acting as himself. This is his third film credit that I've seen and improves his average film rating to a 58 uh, it is his second film, Ray in the 60s, and his best film overall, coming in ahead of Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. It improves his value to a 1, and his score to a 35.8, ranking him 2,978th, tied with late great Adam West. Is he late great? I think he's late great Adam West. Uh, behind Billy Connolly, and ahead of Abby Lee. i to file it away, Adam West. He's Batman. He was the first Batman. And uh, I believe he has passed on. Next is Zoe Deutsch. Uh, this is her sixth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 47.5. It is her first film rated in the 60s and her third best film overall, just behind The Amazing Spider-Man, just ahead of Beautiful Creatures. Improves her film value to a negative 1.5 and her score to 34.13. Uh, which ranks her 3,121st, tied with uh, Baby Driver, Ansel Elgort, Paris Hilton, Mike Myers. Those are some names. Uh, and puts her just behind Rob Corddry, just ahead of Anita Louise. Still going. Next up is Casey Wilson. Uh, this is her ninth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 45.11. 
It's her second film rated in the 60s and third best film overall, coming in behind The Great Buck Howard and ahead of Lennon or McCartney. Improves her film value to a negative 3.5 and her score to a 33.41. She's now ranked 3,195th, just behind uh, Ramon Rodriguez and just ahead of Jason Statham. Next is Melanie Griffith, her seventh film credit, improving her average film rating to a 45.14. It's her first and only film rate in the 60s, and her third best film overall, just behind Stuart Little 2 and ahead of The Drowning Pool. It's her, uh, improves her average, her, proves her film value to a negative 3.5 and her score to 32.11. Uh, she is now ranked 3,279th, just behind Allison Hannigan, and ahead of Barbara Jo Allen. Next is Ike Barinholtz, another person I don't remember being in the movie. This is his ninth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 44.78. It is his second film rating in the 60s and third best film overall, just behind Storks, just ahead of Suicide Squad. It improves his film value to a negative 5 and his score to a 31.64, leaving him ranked 3,313th, just behind Robert Patrick and just ahead of Joe Anderson. Next is June Diane Raphael. Raphael. Uh, It's spelled like Raphael, but a thingy online said it's pronounced Raphael, so Raphael. I guess. Uh, This is her ninth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 43.44. It's her first and only film rating in the 60s, coming in behind, or it's her third best film overall, coming in behind Forgetting Sarah Marshall and ahead of Anchorman 2. The legend continues. It improves her film value to a negative 5.5, her score to a 30.05, she is now ranked 3,438th, just behind Taylor Kitsch, just ahead of Amber Benson. Next is Greg Sestero, who is in the movie and also portrayed by Dave Franco in the movie. This is his fifth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 42.6. It is his first and only film in the 60s and his second best film overall, coming in behind Accepted ahead of Ed TV. Improves his film value to a negative 2.5 and his score to a 27.93. He is now ranked 3,569th overall, tied with David Morrissey and Diana Agron, just behind Jason Alexander and just ahead of Lauren Lapkus. Next is Jared Carmichael. This is his fourth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 44. This is his first and only film rated in the 60s, and is his second best film overall, coming in just behind Neighbors, and just ahead of Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising. It improves his film value to a negative 1.5, and his score to a 27.83. He's now ranked 3,575, 75th, uh, tied with Mary Badham, Rock Hudson, and Ashraf Barham, if any of those names sound familiar. Uh, He is ranked just behind Rebecca Ferguson. That's a recognizable name. Next is 
Zach Efron. This is his 17th film credit. It improves his average film rating to a 42.65. It is his second film rating in the 60s and fifth best film overall, ranking just behind Liberal Arts and just ahead of Parkland. It improves his film value to a negative 10.5 and his score to a 27.66. He is now ranked 3,586th overall, just behind Julie Benz and ahead of David Tomlinson. Continuing, uh, for re- for the record, there are 4,305 people in my actors page of my spreadsheet. Uh, this person is Kate Upton. This is her third film credit and proves her average film rating to a 29.33. It's her first and only film in the 60s, rated in the 60s, and her best movie overall, coming in ahead of The Other Woman. It improves her film value to a negative 3.5 and her score to a 14.1. Like I said, there are 4,305 people on this spreadsheet. As actors, she is ranked 4,149th out of all of them, which puts her behind Noel Fisher and ahead of a lot of people at 4,150, including Alicia Keys, Farrah Fawcett, Dane Cook, um, Cole and Dylan Sprouse, among others. Further down, Paul Shear who I really like in this movie. I, I think he, he did, I thought he was pretty good in this movie. Small role, but I liked him in it. it this is his 13th film credit. It proves his average film rating to a 29.38. This is his first and only film rating in the 60s, and second best film overall. Just behind Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, and just ahead of the comments. It improves his film value to a negative 15.5, and improves his score to a 9.97. He is ranked 4,220th out of 43, out of 4,305 people. He is just behind uh, Josie Lauren and Dominique Garcia Laredo, and just ahead of Jared Sandler, who uh, was added recently. I believe he's the son of Adam Sandler, or nephew, maybe nephew. And Paul Shear is the last actor that we have on this list Whew. a lot it's a lot it's it's just it's a lot of people to go through but we made it moving on to the next thing is genres so the disaster artist is ranked has a rating of 63 from 2017 it counts as a comedy and raises the average rating of comedies to 55.42 also counts as a drama raising the average rating of dramas to 62.33 I remember it as a one on the Bechdel test. The scene that sticks out to me, although I guess the room passes with a three or two. No, I think it's a three. They both actually were three because there's one scene in both movies where uh, uh, Lisa in the room portrayed by Uri Grainer in The Disaster Artist, is talking to her mother, who and they, like at one point they're talking about breast cancer. So, do women who don't talk about a man? Three. It's a three. It's a three on the Bechdel test. Um, and it is rated R in the MPAA rating. So, definitely an R. 
Hardar. Does not qualify as of... Does not qualify in my top 300, nor, as far as I'm aware, the IMDb top 250 at this moment. Um, as a 2017 film, it is definitely eligible for the Oscars. Uh, I would predict it to show up there once or twice, but as of right now, it currently has zero nominations and wins. Does not factor into the best pictures segment, but it does affect the year statistics. For 2017, it is the 2000 and nope, it is the 266th film uh, from 2017 that I've seen currently, and is the 1207th. Uh, 1,204th film I've seen this year, this calendar year. It improves the average rating of films in 2017 to 49.38. It improves the tomato meter of films in 2017 to 65.17. Uh, it is a comedy, the 96th comedy, and it is a drama, the 112th drama. As a 3 on the Bechtel test, it is part of the 38.72% of all films from this year that have that rating. And it is the 103rd film from this year with a rating of R by the MPAA. And finally, it may, may not be a surprise given the fact that I, if you've listened to my review episode and you know, given the fact that I rated it a 63, but uh, it does not factor into the Circle of Film Awards whatsoever. Um, the two big things it make a it would make a run for are male lead, and looking at that five right now, there is no one I think who deserves to f- drop out of it in favor of Franco. And looking at screenplay, I think that's even more sewn up than male lead at this point. So it misses there, not showing up in the Circle of Film Awards, um, but it'll probably it'll probably return in in it'll probably show up in the Oscars so I wouldn't count it out from awards you know I've seen James Franco and the disaster artist the James Franco and the disaster artist winning plenty of awards here and there so I don't think it's you know gonna go away anytime soon man uh this took almost 40 minutes I think that really that has to be the longest statistics episode that's restricted to just one film so, congratulations to the disaster artist. Uh, I'm sure some film will come along with like a hundred people in it. I mean, I have films that have a hundred people in it, so I can definitely beat this. But since I started, it's the first new films I think since I started doing the podcast that's had that many people in the cast. Uh, so, brilliant, brilliant cast in this movie. Uh, but now. Let me just tack on at the end the week two Fantasy Movie League update after the break. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and machine. I mean, how hard can that be? Week two saw a little bit more separation than week one did. Uh, when you look at the final results from week one, there was only one person, maybe about two people, that really stood out above the rest of the pack, the Flex and Derek. 
and uh, this week we had a much wider separation uh, between the top five and pretty much everybody else. Uh, so in a surprise uh, hold this week, sort of a surprise, um, surprise in the fact that like it did really, really well, the star dropped like 9% from last weekend to win BP over Daddy's Home 2. And five of our league members were right in line with what that was with what was going on. But there was a little bit of a discrepancy uh, as far as the filler and the holds or in the anchor position with Kiel Music and Shawbin opting to go with one Coco and three Thor with all their star screens. Raman chose one Coco, one Wonder, and one Disaster Artist with five screens of the star. Whereas Plexi and Director's Cut chose one Coco, one Justice League, and one Thor with five screens of the star. And that uh, shuffled back and forth across the week as to what would end up being the best value. And one Coco, one Justice League, and one Thor won out and is our uh, perfect Cineplex this week. So Plexi and Director's Cut both get the uh, both become the first people from the Awards 18 season to have a perfect Cineplex. All five of those people, however, uh, ended up with 60 million or more this week, with no one else uh, eclipsing 52 million uh, below them. So a bit of a big separation uh, and uh, a lot of point, a lot of a lot of money gained by those few. Plexi and Director's Cut were both tied in week one. They both went heavy on three billboards. So. They are both atop the leaderboard this week, tied for first place uh, with 88% of a perfect season as of right now. And uh, they're doing pretty good. They both added five best performers along with Rahman. They all added five best performers. Uh, they're all still one best performer behind the Flex, who has his six from their six from the first week. And Plexi did edge out Director's Cut in, in lock time. So they stole the uh, win for the week, as it were. That being said, uh, this means this is the 17th week that Plexi has won. Uh, and is their 14th week in the lead, uh, in the league. It is also the first week that uh Director's Cut has led the league, and they are the 10th person to lead the league at any point in time. Only 10 people have ever led the league. Director's Cut becomes one of those lucky few. This is the 14th Perfect Cineplex for Plexi. They are now just one behind Rybone, who leads the way with 15, and have separated themselves from Kill Music with 13 uh, to date. Uh, this is the sixth for Director's Cut, which ties them in fourth, fifth place with Perks Plex. They both have six. However, Perks Plex, you know, has been playing since the beginning, so uh, the average <laughs> perfect Cineplexes per season is a lot different between the people. Uh, in the BP race year in the history, uh, Plexi now has 152 BPs to be in the lead there. 147 to Keel Music, 135 to Rybone, 128 to Shawbin. Everybody else is under 100. Uh, so Flexi keeping the lead there, able to keep Keel Music at bay. 
Um, so, that being said, uh, there are the top five, as I mentioned, Plexi, Director's Cut, Raman, Kiel Music, Shaban, in that order, uh, are all at 80% or more, and in fact 82% or more of a perfect season at this point. Uh, however, it is incredibly likely and almost guaranteed that week three's total box office returns will be greater than the sum of weeks one and two for every single person in this league and perhaps every single person on the site. So there's uh, there's that. <laughs> and because uh, we have Star Wars, The Last Jedi being released, finally. Early buzz is good. Reviews have just started to come in, and they are also very good. Uh, it seems to be getting as the same level of rave reviews as The Force Awakens, and that indicates to me that it will likely be better than The Force Awakens, uh, because I think Force Awakens came with less baggage. Um, it really just had to be decent to outperform the uh, prequel trilogy, and so I think some a lot of people gave Force Awakens a pass. I I think it's great, but then I think The Last Jedi has a lot more pressure on it to perform and actually be a better film. And because it is succeeding so well critically and and the buzz is so good, I think that bodes even better for that movie. So the other film releasing this weekend is Ferdinand, the new animated film playing counter to Star Wars: The Last Jedi. And really the only film that contends uh, as an anchor decision this week. And for myself, I am looking into a lineup that has a chance to be the best option. But if something else performs better, it won't be the worst option. So if you're choosing, you know, depending on what day of Star Wars, depending on if you're on Ferdinand, see what happens if that doesn't work out so great and something else takes it. And because I think if you end up falling, you can end up falling quite far behind this in this week if you miss wide, if you miss wide on, on your anchor decision. Uh, it could have happened to us last season in week two, but it didn't. We, we ended up with uh, most of us missing the even being the right anchor decision with when it came out. Uh, with the only person really hitting it on the head was Rahman, and they missed week one, so we ended up kind of getting lucky there. But it could have been a big deficit that would have been very difficult to dig out of. I think, you know, especially the difference between Star Wars and Ferdinand is a big point of interest, making sure you can pull that off. Uh, I'm, hesita I'm hesitant to look below the anchor's decision as to what could win BP right now, but that will become a lot more clear when the theater counts come out. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, trying to find a lineup with the chance to be perfect, but also trying to avoid a lineup that could be absolutely devastating if it misses. So excited for week three. We'll be back uh, next week, hopefully with, a, with an update. But maybe not. I'm going on vacation on Friday for a little over a week. I will be back the following Sunday. There will be an episode every day that there's supposed to be an episode, one way or another. I'm just not sure I'll have the time to record an update episode, or an update segment, um, because most of the episodes for next week will be recorded before I leave. 
Uh, I will be doing everything I can to get a review episode out for The Last Jedi on Monday, and hopefully that comes to fruition. But uh, the update may or may not be able to happen, uh, so fingers crossed it does. I will do what I can to make sure that's the case. And that's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with me, uh, you can do that in a couple different ways. Um, you can use email, circleoffilm at gmail.com, particularly if you want to send me, uh, you know, anything really, but um, still totally uh, receptive to a top 250, top 100, top 300 movie list from any and all people. And if you'd like to get in contact with me in a more casual way, you can use Twitter at Circle of Film. Um, that is also totally fine and totally acceptable. Uh, you can currently still support the show uh, at patreon.com slash circle of film. As I mentioned in the past, I'm not incredibly happy with the changes to their terms, so I am still looking into alternatives. And as I figure more about that, out i will uh, make sure you guys are aware of that just uh, for posterity's sake and lastly you can head over to circleoffilm.com for information on circle film awards scavenger hunts uh, the spreadsheet all that kind of stuff it's you know i'm constantly adding new stuff to that website all the time so to try and make it as, as comprehensive as possible and that's about it uh, thank you again for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.